Ledoux replacing the injured Martinez tonight to Brown to center ice for Iafalo to Kopitar. Back to Iafalo into the zone. Right circle to the net. A chance safe. Score! Kopitar on the rebound. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. The injuries and losses continue to mount for the Kings this season as they lose to the Red Wings in Detroit and also lose the services of Kyle Clifford and Alec Martinez, at least for this current road trip. Martinez and Clifford join Ilya Kovalchuk, Carl Hagelin, Trevor Lewis, Johnny Bredzinski, Jack Campbell, Gabe Velarde. The list seems to go on and on. It just seems like one of those seasons, right? Uh, at any rate, we are here to talk all about it, just for you guys. But first... It's time for This Week in Kings History with Mike Comito. Breakdown at the blue line. Kings trying to take advantage here. Kopitar to Sturm. Back for Kopitar. He scores! Mike Comito joining me now. How are you doing, Mike? Doing well, Jesse. And you? I'm doing excellent, thank you. Um... It's time for another week in uh, King's history. What are we looking at this week? So this week, uh, we're going to go back not too far, actually. So we're going to go back to December 11th, 2010, Mm -hmm. uh, when the Kings acquired speeding winger Marco Sturm from the Bruins for future considerations. Yeah, I I always love a trade that involves future considerations because it basically means nothing usually. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I did my best to try to figure out what those future considerations turned into if anything and i honestly couldn't find um you know i think a definitive uh return on what that would be right and sometimes that happens but i'm not sure if you if you were able to pin anything down but uh i my sleuthing didn't reveal anything no i didn't find anything my assumption was that it was probably tied into whether or not he would resign with the kings and and mm-hmm. was waived and claimed as i'm sure you'll get into and so i'm i'm assuming that waved off whatever agreement <laughs> yeah yeah was. one with one would think, and and so yeah, the deal they they make the deal uh, officially on on December 11th, but ultimately you know, the deal doesn't become official till a few days later. Uh, the King's doctors had to actually approve uh, some tests on his surgically repaired knees. Uh, so back you know back in Boston a couple of years earlier in 2008 2009, Sturm had torn his ACL in his left knee, and then the following season he injured his right knee uh, in the second round of the playoffs. You know tearing his ACL and his MCL. Right, so he had significant uh, knee surgery over the course of those two seasons. And so before uh, before the trade could be finalized, you know, the Kings wanted to make sure that, you know, he'd be able to play because, again, this was not – these were not insignificant injuries. You know, he hadn't played since May. And so I think the idea there was that the Kings were going to, you know, they were going to buy low, you know, on a player who had previously scored, you know, 20 goals, had uh, seven 20-goal seasons, you know, over the course of his NHL career. Uh, ultimately, I think that, you know, what ends up happening is it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, I think given the, the circumstances and the surgery and the expectations around Sturm, he, he, you know, he wasn't able to kind of, um, I think, play to the level that he would have hoped, right? Well, he did okay. And I mean, this was, this was another one of those moves um, that Dean Lombardi made where he brought in a guy with injuries from another franchise and this was one of the you know he did it a bunch and some of them worked out and some of them didn't willie mitchell worked out justin williams worked out um simone gagne it's debatable um and marco Sturm, i suppose you could argue it, it didn't work out although uh, he scored nine points in 17 games that's not nothing 
Oh, no, and I think that he certainly played well in the games that he was playing. What I mean by he didn't uh, play to his expectations, I don't think he played, I think he would have liked to have played more, right? But ultimately, you know, the injury obviously had its toll. You know, even when he came back, you know, he left the lineup again for a bit. He had tendonitis uh, in his left knee. And so I think that ultimately, had he been able to stay healthy and stay in the lineup, yeah, like given, like you just said, you know, nine points in 17 games, uh, you know, he was he was doing well. But I think that because I think, the expectation was that he'd be able to kind of play his way up into the lineup. Uh, you know, even before they waived him in February, he was expected to skate alongside Kopitar and Simmons, um, you know, on the first line ultimately. And then two days before he was supposed to make his return in February, uh, they, they waived him expecting he'd go unclaimed. They were just trying to get some uh, flexibility before the trade deadline. Uh, but he ultimately ends up getting claimed and he goes to Washington and, and finishes the season there. So again, all these sorts of different factors that kind of, uh, you know, had an impact on his, on his tenure with the Kings. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just one of those bizarre transactions, and obviously we're focusing on it because he's now the assistant coach of the LA Kings. Um, mm -hmm. But one of those bizarre transactions where they got a guy, he was here for like two weeks, and then I mean, it was longer than that, but but it, you know, however many games it was, and and you know, he sort of vanished, but almost by accident. You know, yeah. everything I read seemed to suggest that they, and I, I honestly I didn't remember any of this, you know, from from whatever it was 10 years ago, more or less. But I guess they didn't anticipate him being waived and thought that it would just be a, you know, a temporary move. And whoops, <laughs> there goes, yeah. uh, there goes Marcus Sturm. <laughs> yeah, no. And again, I think because of the fact that he's starting so late in the season, he, you know, hadn't played since May. Um, and so, you know, as he's kind of ramping back into NHL mode, you know, Terry Murray's talking about how he's still in training camp mode and he's still, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things. And so, you know, I, yeah, it seems like they really just thought that it was a move that would just kind of give them the flexibility they were looking for in order to avoid, you know, having to, to wave a younger player to open up a roster spot if they did any moves at the trade deadline. Uh, and ultimately, yeah, it just it didn't pan out that obviously the Capitals were interested uh, and so there was this 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 great line that he went from the first line to the first plane to Washington, you know, effectively ending his his, his tenure with the Kings. And Aww. and who knows, um, you know, what it would have looked like had he been, uh, you know, skating on that top line. Prior to that, he was kind of in and out of the the third and fourth line. He was skating a lot with uh, with Stoll. He kind of bumped up to the third line with Stoll and Simmons, but then he was also kind of down on the fourth line, also kind of rotating with Stoll and and, uh, and Kyle Clifford. Yeah, this was. I mean. Another thing that the Kings did, which was they they would constantly look for left wingers. It was the refrain mm -hmm. up and up until the cup, up until they got Dustin Penner, really, and even mm -hmm. after that, they would still constantly suggest that they needed to find left wingers. Now, Mike, you won't know this, not being uh, deeply embedded within the Kings fan base, but there is a group of Kings fans um, who believe that the number ten is cursed, <laughs> and that anybody who wears it for the Kings is sort of doomed to not work out. And it, it goes back through uh, Toby Reeder, Devin Setaguchi, Christian Ehrhoff, Christopher Stieg. Um, Mike Richards wore it and had considerable success wearing it, which is part of the reason I don't buy into it. But everybody points to the way his career ended as being part of it. Braden Shen wore it very briefly. Um, and before Braden Shen, Marco Sturm, um, mm -hmm. I asked him why he wore number 10, and, and this, was his, this was his response. You know, as a player, you always kind of have kind of numbers in your head. And, uh, you know, I, I started with uh, 39 in Germany, and, uh, and then I came, I came to San Jose. I, um, you know, Jeff Friesen uh, had that number. Uh, so I, I, I turned into 19 because I wanted a 9 in there. 
Um, I got traded to Boston 19 um, for some reason. They wouldn't give it to me because of Joe Thornton. Uh, so I, I ended up with the closest number, and that was 16. Uh, um, I actually wanted to change that, um, but I said, okay, let's wait after the game. And uh, that game, I uh, I scored a goal and had an assist and had a pretty good start in Boston. So I kind of stuck with it. And, uh, and yeah, when I came to L.A., um, all the numbers were pretty much taken, and uh, and that was, and ten was the closest one. That's how that's how I ended up with ten. So I mean, he comes back now. He's the assistant coach. Um, there doesn't appear to be any hard feelings over being waived. <laughs> um, but uh, but just another weird, wacky, and brief chapter uh, in King's history, Mike. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think at at this point now, is his tenure with the Kings behind the bench is 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 probably just as long as it was on the ice. So he's. Uh, it's it's a new chapter. It's a new chapter for him with the Kings, and uh, yeah. you know it's a great. And I think the other thing that it's worth mentioning because you always love these cameo pieces as well. That when Dean Lombardi brought him in uh, in 2010, he had previously drafted him uh, 21st overall when Lombardi was the GM of the Sharks. So there's your there's your connection back in as well. And of course, Stern was also. Uh, one of the pieces in the uh, in the Joe Thorne trade as well. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring that up. Too. Yeah, no, it's it is endlessly fascinating how small the world of hockey actually is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, as always, Mike, for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll uh, check in with you again next week. Joining me now, James Whitlock. How are you doing today, James? I am melancholy. <laughs> wow, melancholy. Man, man. for the uh, for the hike that Drew Doughty said they were going to have on the plane and the excitement I had from that, they sure found a way to bring me down. <laughs> yeah, you know, this Detroit game raised a sort of fascinating question that I've been, uh, that's been sort of kicking around in the back of my brain for a year or two now. And that is... If you've got a guy who is excellent at all facets of modern hockey, but can't score, is he more or less valuable than a guy who's like a defensive sieve, doesn't forecheck, you know, <laughs> slacks off in the neutral zone, right? Like from all yeah. from all sort of measurements would be a lousy hockey player. But he's got a dynamite shot uh-huh. that he connects on, you know, 30% of the time. Something absurd like that. Right. Is it worth it to have a guy who can just score goals and nothing else if he's, you know, objectively a terrible hockey player other than that? And I honestly don't know the answer in today's NHL. Because uh, you see that Detroit game and you just go like, wow, if we had one guy yeah, yeah. who, who could have buried one of those chances... Uh, 31 days ago, I would have said no. Right. And now it's, yeah, yeah, take it anything. Yeah, when you're tied for 31st in the league with yeah. a with a historically <laughs> bad offense, it, it <laughs> I may have to reevaluate my position that scoring goals is not the most important thing. Scoring more than your opponent is the more, most important thing. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on that Detroit game because – you know, I said it on Twitter, but realistically, if this was any other season, I'd have shrugged my shoulders and said, you know what? Sometimes they happen. You outplay your opponent, you outshoot your opponent, and some combination of the goalie standing on his head and you being snake bit just turns into two points the wrong way. Yeah. 
but it's not any other season. It's this season. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a melancholy kick in the nuts. It is. <laughs> Quite the festive holiday cheer. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I have found a way to emotionally detach from each individual game at this point in the season, right? I've, I've accepted the situation have you yeah that's well impressive. Uh, look there <laughs> it's impressive i mean it is what you know what i mean like it, it it there's no sense oh wow i can't believe i'm about to to rely on this old chestnut but there's no sense crying over spilt milk james <laughs> you know this there's it's there's 51 games left and the likelihood of them making some sort of miracle push is the non-starters as far as i'm concerned so they lose a game they win a game it's fun when they win it's a bummer when they lose but the sun still rises and the bills are still due right. so you know uh, you know they uh the kings have now uh shut me up on my adage that uh or my focus that if we shoot for 30 shots on goal a game <laughs> and boy was <laughs> i proven wrong today yeah yeah with 43 shots on goal <laughs> it was now, and I think I saw on the telecast, I think the scoring chances were something like 81 to 40. So, I mean, between, wow. between Detroit blocking shots and the Kings just missing the net. Woo! It... <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I've asked this to a bunch of people. Fans are probably getting tired of hearing the answers, but I'm always curious. We've got 51 games left. What does success look like to you? over the next 51 games. What do you want to see happen with this team? Okay, so I think all the daydreaming of playoffs and, and <laughs> deep runs are gone at this point. I would hope so. I, I think you can you can kind of bring yourself to that, and then now we got to look for the uh, – what's the consolation prize? You know, what what what's the best thing you can get out of 31st? <laughs> well, good draft picks are good. Yeah. Uh the one thing I think I want to see the most is the team to kind of find themselves and see some sort of consistency, like either consistently be good or consistently be bad because you can improve on being consistently good and you can fix consistently being bad. Right. Right. You can, you can pinpoint the things that, that you're not doing and work on those things. But if you're not consistent either way, then it's really hard to kind of figure out what is that magic key to turn. I think that's part of the reason this loss doesn't upset me too much, whereas a loss to New Jersey, uh, I think it was the New Jersey game, does. Yep. Because a game like this, you're exactly right. They tried hard. They did what you'd want them to do. In the post-game interview, they look upset. You know, it's like, oh, we, we you know, we, you know, we just got to keep playing like this and the ones will come whereas New Jersey. You're like, nah, man, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. You just didn't. Um, I want to focus on that notion of consistency because I've I've sort of waffled a little bit on what I want to see out of the rest of the season. My my original feeling was cannibalize the team for as many picks and prospects as you can, um, hold on to a couple key pieces, and you know let's rebuild may not be the right word, but let's retool, let's re reimagine the L.A. Kings organization moving forward. After the win against Vegas, after the game tonight against Detroit, after having seen Matt Luff, uh, Wagner, Sherback, Leipzig, I really like Sean Walker. We didn't see him tonight, but he's been called back up, although I imagine it's a short-term thing. But now that I see some pieces that aren't fantasy, 
you know, mm-hmm. like Jack Hughes or even Gabe Velarde, right? Who we don't right. know what'll ever happen, or even Rasmus Kupari or Akil Thomas or Jared Anderson Dolan or you know any of these prospects that look great as eighteen-year-olds playing against other eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, you know, Matt Luff is in the NHL. He may not stay. Like, who knows what his career holds? But he's here. Right. He's scoring. Mm-hmm. He's playing minutes, and he looks like an NHL player. So now I'm thinking, okay, I think their record under Desjardins is something like uh, nine and eleven, or 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 nine and twelve, or somewhere in that neighborhood. It's not great, but it's not terrible. And you see, the improvements are small. But they're steady. You know, the special teams are now starting to slowly turn around, right? It seems like the first thing he did was come in and stabilize even strength. Now we're starting to see, you know, the the special teams improve. And to be fair, there's not much worse they can get. Right. But then you see other things fall off, like face-off percentage at 44%. Like, that's, that's not the right direction. No, but that's the sort of thing where... And I and I 100% confess I'm just in a weird transition period about my opinion. So this I'm not trying to make excuses for the team. I'm just trying to get a hold on on right. what I want out of right. the next yeah. one games. There are players on this team who are not suited for the direction that the team seems to want to go. Right? I won't I won't say that it's anything necessarily deficient within them. But, you know, if you're going to play a back-and-forth track race game against Detroit like they did, Dion Phaneuf's game is not particularly well-suited to, you know, a game where there's 120 scoring opportunities right. split between the two teams. And you saw him get burned twice tonight yeah. for goals where you go like, okay, well, <laughs> this is not his fault. What are you going to do? Yeah. And maybe Jonathan Quick could have played it a little bit better. Um, you know, Kyle Clifford, bless his soul. You know, he wasn't in the in the lineup tonight, but... You know, I have said repeatedly, he is not a cement-footed player, but he's also not Wagner or Luff or Rempel or Leipzig or Sherback or, you know. Um, and he doesn't have the offensive ability. He doesn't have the ceiling of, like, a Dustin Brown. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so you go, right. like, okay, well, not every player has to be a little water bug. So, okay, fine. So, for the rest of the season, I would like, even if it means winning, you know, everybody's fear is that they win enough to pull them out of a lottery pick, right? Or I guess there isn't a a lottery pick distinction in the NHL. But let's say they finish 10th from the bottom or 11th from the bottom. Everybody's complaint is, oh, now you've got got a draft pick that isn't good enough to justify a disappointing season. And you've had a disappointing (laughs) season, so it's lose-lose. But my contention, I think, I think, I think, I think, moving forward would be, fine, I hear what you're saying, but if you can turn... Some combination of Sherbeck, Leipzig, Luff, Wagner, Amadio, Kempe, um, Rempel, those young players, right? I think I listed off about six or seven of them. Throw in Sean Walker. Maybe one of the other blue liners gets called up from Ontario. If you can turn that collective group, whether it's by trade or on ice contribution or development or whatever, if you can turn one of them into the equivalent value of a high draft pick, then I don't care where that addition to the lineup came from. You know, Alex mm-hmm. Iafalo wasn't a high draft pick, you know, but but the Kings have him. Right. And he's young and he's fast and he contributes in a way 
if you had told me five years ago that the Kings were going to draft a kid who would turn into what Alex Iafalo is today, uh, then great, fine. So I'm not <clears throat> completely tied up in the myth of the draft as the only panacea to whatever is plaguing your team. Having said that, I really don't think this team's going to win a bunch of games. <laughs> and and it's hard to believe that, you know, that all those names I listed are going to somehow turn into 20 to 30 goal scorers just because 20 to 30 goal scorers are rare in the best of times. Yeah. Um, and we already have seen, I would argue, enough of Amadio and Kempe at this point to say it's and at, frankly, Leipzig is older than both of them, and I think Sherback might be too. So, I mean, it's unlikely that one of these guys is going to suddenly blossom into, you know, Tyler Toffoli part two. Well, I don't know. Kempe's back on back now. Uh, it's not our. It's not impossible. Kempe's back now pulling penalty minutes. So, I mean, he's got that going for him. <laughs> yeah, he had one. Yeah, <laughs> another two tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't, you didn't think I was going there. No, no. But I mean, that's look. It is what it is. I mean, this. No, I I understand what you're saying, and and it and it is it is a tough thing because, um, the the team hasn't given you really much to, to sink your teeth into, like it it's been very up and down. You see, I mean, you come off of a win like that against Vegas, and then take that deep dive into this game, and it just has the best of us with our head spinning. Yeah. I mean, again, this, we have to, if we're any conversation about this team, any meaningful conversation about this team has to acknowledge a couple key facts. And that is you don't get to be 31st in the league just by bad luck, mm -hmm. right? Luck can certainly play nope. a factor in it. You know, yeah, yeah they've had injuries, you know, fine, whatever. But there are there are severe flaws uh, on this team, and some of its deployment, some of its personnel, some of its effort, some of its luck, some of its you know scheduling, whatever. Um, I don't even know where I'm going with this next. I, <laughs> I just I just wanted to point out that like yeah, I mean I. I'm not emotionally disappointed by a game like this, but it is games like these are just a reminder. Every time the coach pulls the goalie when the team is down by two, mm -hmm. it's a reminder to me that we still don't really know what the organization itself expects because pulling the goalie down two goals, five opportunities in a row. I don't remember how many it's been, but they seem to keep doing it. The only justification for it I mentioned a few episodes ago is it's a coaching opportunity, right? It's an opportunity for the coach to put the team in a situation that doesn't happen very often. I suppose you could try and replicate it in practice, but trying to score six on five, you got to take every opportunity you can get. Right. But I have said also, I feel like it, it might be, to me, it would feel humiliating, right, to be routinely exposed to the empty net goal, to routinely be put out there in a situation where the odds are stacked against you. Even if it is an opportunity for the coach to coach up the rest of the team, I feel, and I, I concede I have no way of knowing what it would actually feel like. Right. I have no personal exposure to it at all. 
But I just feel like it would get annoying after a while. And on the flip side, would it be annoying that of coach coach pulling that move? Or would it be annoying of putting the team in that position to be two down every well, but, third game? Well, and- the co- well. But the coach doesn't do that. The guys do. That's what I'm saying. Well, right. So you're on the ice, and and if your if your collective performance is still putting the team two goals behind in not the majority, but the close, uh, the heavy minority uh, of of games, then yeah. then really is it, it? It's kind of like um, I I can't give you a good example, but that's your situation. And if you don't own that, you can't put the onus on any yeah. other situation because because that does make them better to your point well maybe so I, I had dinner with some friends the other night it was the last night of hanukkah we you know a bunch of guys i've known for 20 something years mm-hmm. we were ha- hanging out and we were you know they've all got young kids and so we were talking about you know what do you do when they smash their face on the edge of furniture or yeah. you know fall off yeah. the back of the couch um and and we were started trading stories about scars and broken bones and Blah, blah, blah. And a friend of mine said, you know, he broke his leg one summer. He was visiting family and and he broke his leg and nobody knew it right away. And so they kept trying to pick him up uh-huh. and stand him up on his broken leg oh, geez. and he'd collapse. And <laughs> this is a bit of a of a <clears throat> academic fellow, not exactly your typical jock. Okay. So his family was sort of like, you know, oh God, you're, you yeah. know, little <laughs> whiny, up, you know, whiny little nerd, you know, <laughs> like, bro, you know, get up, stand up. And he kept falling over. And then finally somebody came along and said, he broke his leg. He can't stand up. Right. So not only are you not doing him any favors <laughs> by trying to pick him up and forcing him to work, but you're also making him feel like crap. Yeah, he's no. physically incapable of doing the thing that you are telling, insisting that he do. And to me, that's sort of like pulling the goalie when you're down by two goals. It's like you're down by two goals because you can't score. Right. <laughs> picking the kid, <laughs> picking the team up with a broken leg and trying saying like walk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stop being such a you know a wimp. Um, I still go back to you know what you made your bed now lie in it. Yeah, that's it. And and you're you're a professional. Yeah, and you know what if. If you're not going to do it, then I've got to do everything on my behalf to try and get you there, to push you there. And uh, and at the end of the day, there's an expectation of a professional athlete that they've, they've got to do what they're hired to do. And if and if that's not happening, then I, I don't blame the coach for trying something like I, I. I don't to a point, but I realize this entire conversation from my end is exists exclusively in analogies, but. <laughs> you know i always say uh, what ha- else do you have this season? nothing nothing i always say happiness is measured by expectations but my other one of my other favorite uh mantras and my my totem animal is uh scrooge mcduck mm-hmm. and he always said work smarter not harder yeah and you know i see a bunch of people griping on drew dowdy for not um diving to block a, an empty net goal you know with three seconds left in the game that they were down by two or whatever and i'm right. like <laughs> Really? What if he had taken <laughs> yeah. the puck to the face? Right. right? right, right. What if he had broken his orbital He's out socket for three weeks? Yeah. yeah. That, then what? And <laughs> yeah. so that again, that's the thing where it's like with the goalie being pulled, it's like this. You're not gonna, you're not getting anything out of the season. And maybe Matt Luff, maybe Wagner, maybe Rempel, maybe these guys might have their careers improved incrementally by getting these extra man situations but all i can think of is again what if a dude takes a shot off the side of the head 
what if a guy gets in a, a scrum in front of the net and twists an ankle? And that seems to be happening this year. Yeah, like for what? For for so that we can lose by one instead of two? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, far be it for me to question the coaching staff, but it's it just like I said, I, I'm torn. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I'm not emotionally disappointed by this season anymore. I'm just conflicted between between wanting to see them you know call it a year and wanting to see them have some ah, pride may not be the right word but have some even if it's just the first steps some idea of which direction they're headed and and this is kind of a a chance to just kind of reconnect with your fandom of old but yeah how many seasons can you just forget about in your past and and just say you know what there was really nothing that came out of that season. I'm just going to forget about it. None. Only because the really traumatic seasons were memorable, right, for their trauma. For being, yeah. yeah. <laughs> being painful. <laughs> and, I mean, I would have said the 2008, 2007, 2008 season because nothing happened. They were mm-hmm. just really, really bad. But they got Drew Doughty out of it. Mm-hmm. So you go, okay, well... I don't remember a single thing about that game other than well, that's yeah, that's a huge Brian Wilsey scored a goal in game eighty-one against Tampa. I think or I don't <laughs> even remember, but it's like it came down to the end of the season, and it was them and Tampa neck and neck, you know, for this for the Steven Stamkos pick, and and the Kings won a game, and everyone was like, "Oh no, they've what the they've, hell? they've blown it at the last second. But like I said, it turned out just fine. But I mean, the two thousand five two thousand six season was awful. But it was the season after the lockout. There were tons of injuries. Ronick was here. Viznovsky led the team in scoring, which is absurd. <laughs> There's the two thousand and two two thousand and four injury riddled debacle seasons where it was just like every year yeah. the Kings have set another record for man games lost to injury. You know, and it wasn't those sort of things where like, oh, the thirteenth guy on the roster lost eighty two games. No, it was like Adam Tedmarsh gone, Jason yeah. Allison gone. You know, Ziggy Palfi gone for half the year. Um, I forget some of the other players lost to injury, but I mean, it was just Viznowski. They, they, you know, they a goalie would go down, they'd bring up a replacement, and then he'd go down. You know, the defenseman would go down, they'd bring up a defenseman, and then he'd get hurt. And you're just like, ah. Um, it, it's starting to feel like that this season. Yeah. Like this injury is getting uh, prolonged, and where you think it's a week and it turns into a month. And I keep forgetting at times that between. Kovalchuk, Hagelin, and Lewis. That's $12 million of cap space on the IR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy. Now you've got Martinez and Clifford out tonight. You know, I, I don't know if they'll be on the IR or how much time they'll miss, but if they were to, that'd be another five or six million on top. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it just no seems joke. like it hurts. And But, I mean, you can't really pin what's happening in the season to injuries this year but it doesn't help it doesn't help at all and it just kind of it's the woe is me scenario where you just can't have anything go right the one sort of silver lining on all this is i suppose that gabe velarde was sent back to la uh he missed a game for ontario and there was rumor that he wasn't going to be able to participate in the world juniors tournament but now he's been cleared so no bullet dodged (laughs) question mark (laughs) (laughs) um it's rough, uh, but enough of this woe is me and everything. What about the last two weeks? Let's Instead of looking forward and saying what we want to see positive, what have you seen that has been positive for the last, let's say, two weeks? 
I've got nothing without being funny. Okay. Without like jumping into the Twitter sphere. That's and, fine. And uh, anything that's been happening in social media. Hey, you know, life is short. Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's take our pleasures where we can find them. I, I like some of the. Uh, I'll give you some of the the beautiful photo bombs in the in arena intermission reports with Patrick O'Neill. We have one yeah. one fan of the King's Realm that that was made a made a big statement on Twitter for uh, for all his appearances and good on good on you Zach you earned it but uh, that's uh, and I think it was Pumpernickel that was like when the when the uh, photobomb hat trick is the best thing about this Kings game <laughs> we have problems yeah uh, I don't know why this reminds me of it but I, I thought I'd share a little story about the Vegas game. Uh, we went down to do the intermission report and Derek Armstrong and Patrick O'Neill and I are sitting down. We've gotten our earpieces put in. We've got our mics clipped to our backs. You know, we've got, we've quickly run over what we're, you know, generally what we're going to say, how, what order it's going to go in, who's going to say what, you know, and all of a sudden uh, as the period is winding down, they usually throw to us for whatever, 10 seconds before they cut right. to commercial break. Yeah. We get, uh, Hey guys, the camera's not working. We need you on the balcony outside the uh, <laughs> <laughs> outside the uh, you know the premiere uh, the restaurant on the premiere level. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we unhook as quickly as possible. Is there just a different setup there that the yeah. equipment does work? Okay. Uh-huh. So we uh, Army uh, Patrick and I with all all dangling <laughs> our uh, our our earpiece cords behind us. Yeah, just ran as fast as we could halfway around Staples Center up a flight of stairs. Um, while people are coming out, like every section is emptying out Absolutely. straight into our path. So, you know, we're <laughs> jumping. I mean, I haven't moved that much in years. Um, and, you know, people are screaming out like, Army, Patrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think one person recognized me. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so we made it. At least but, you said hi to me, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, out of breath, a little flush in the face, but we got there. Uh, we did the segment, but I, I was... <laughs> I'm gonna give you something for next time. Yeah, in the Navy. A camera. We, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all make a hole. Oh, nice. <laughs> make a hole, right, and right, right. people just—it's like the parting of the seas. Yeah. We uh we went to the Navy Notre Dame game, and there was a bunch of midshipmen there, and well, my friends and I couldn't get through mm-hmm. this whole thing, so I just chimed back into my Navy days, right. and I I used the uh, worked the term and make a hole and just midshipmen just parted just nice. out of the wood like jumped awesome. over railings to get out of the way and uh it works so while people are running yelling make a hole people just it's like sirens people right. just get out of your way yeah i like that. i will god forbid it ever happens <laughs> yeah, <right>. again <laughs> the one uh, the one moment where my whole you know work smarter not harder thing bit me in the ass uh we were so we're running around we get to the door to the stairwell the leading up to the the premiere level and there's a staircase and an escalator. And I think to myself, aha, if I run up the escalator twice as fast. Right. <laughs> most of the people on the escalator kind enough to move out of my way when I said, pardon me, I'm in a bit of a rush. Two thirds of the gentleman. Two, well, I didn't. <laughs> that's not exactly what I said. <laughs> Two thirds of the way up to the top of the escalator. I ran into a gentleman uh, chatting up a, a lady much younger than he. Uh-huh. Uh, and he he did not hear me and uh, on him. was not <laughs> was not interested in hearing me and his his friend sort of shot me the what are you gonna do look and i stood there 
tapping my foot, waiting to, you know. Like, oh, it was like the scene in uh, uh, Phantom Menace where Obi-Wan has to wait for the yeah. shields to open. So, we can, But anyway. I, I, and I think that was proper. I think yes. I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to disrupt the guy's game. Uh, not that it was going particularly well. You, from you what can't I can always see. can't always yell at the red lights. You have to sit. That's at, right. You know? <laughs> that's right. But um, so all right. So that's your that's your big positive is the photo bomb. <laughs> that's really. It. I'm gonna go ahead and double down on my luff for Matt Luff. Um, <laughs> I do love all the puns though. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm frankly I'm a little tired of them. Um, <laughs> but well, it's not that I'm tired of them. It's just that. It's not like when all you have to do is Google words with with their songs with love love in the title. Right. Like, all right. Um, I, Foxy's done enough of it though. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think Matt Luff is a perfect hockey player. I don't think Matt Luff is the solution to everything plaguing this team. But in a season where we need to see younger players establish roles for themselves. At the very least, the kid's putting the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't score tonight. I would have liked to see him put bury a couple of the chances that he had. But that he had chances <laughs> yeah. is something in and of itself. Absolutely. And, you know, he is still quite young. This is his rookie season. He's the kind of guy that if he turns into a player, maybe not the same kind of player as I follow, but the same value as I follow. That's the kind of guy where you go like, okay, trading away all those first round picks during the cup window starts to hurt a little less if you can supplement your 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 depth with KG signings and and pickups like that. Yeah. And you know, Leipzig really needs to start burying those chances. Um but I another another positive, and I only caught this on the replay of the game tonight before I headed over here. I was watching a replay of the first period, and I saw Amadio do a move very similar to the one that Sherback did to score his goal, mm-hmm. where he's coming in, he's a left-handed shot, and he sort of pulls the puck into himself rather than leaning forward and right muscling through and sort of taking a traditional wrist shot. Mm-hmm. Sort of stiffens, pulls back. You know, it's almost like pulling the puck inside the player's own gravity well to sort of slingshot it through and right. and that's a move i mentioned this on a previous episode that's a move that i had somebody a, a guy named peter russo an independent skills coach that i've spoken to has has signaled as being a move that it that you're going to see more of because it it freezes not only the defender but the goalie because rather than you know being a deke or a shoulder fake it it it's just a different kind of move and it has to right. do with you know eye placement and blah 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 but, but anyway amadio did it he didn't score on it, but I, I'd never been consciously aware of him doing that before. Now, maybe he had, and I just didn't see it, but they've had Adam Oates now, co- you know, right. uh, consulting for for, how, for however yeah, long it's been. And all, so. yeah. And all of a sudden, so I'm starting to see these little things that maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe now that I know there's a consultant, maybe I'm starting to look for things like that. And I don't know, with, with Amadio especially, we didn't see, I don't think we saw enough of him last year. Uh, and seeing more of him this year, um, where he has more um, more time on ice, it seems like he has he's making more of an effect on the play, and it, and it looks like he perfects his game in his passing. And like I, I'm really starting to hone in on him. I like I, I kind of like watching him play because it seems like when you have a team that just can't hit the tape, 
this guy's just putting on nonstop and, and he's, he's able to, you know, you're not the biggest fan of the stretch passes, but when Amadio's pulling it off, uh, he, he can do it. Like he's putting them off boards. He's, he's making things happen in this year yeah. that I've seen more of. So I like seeing him play and I like, I think he's a good match for some of these younger players. I love a well-timed stretch pass. Right, right, right. We just haven't done it well <laughs> yeah, in years. So. The, the passes that I'm getting really tired of are the, I got nothing. I'm about to hit two defenders. <laughs> yeah. I've been skated into a triangle that I don't know how to get out of. So I tell you what I'll do. I'll turn my body, whip it behind me without looking, <laughs> cross my fingers, and hope that 80 feet away, there's somebody there to receive. And it's like, no, that's not. And it doesn't work, Derek. No. So. Or, well, yes, or Derek Forward, who did it heads up. <laughs> Open ice right up the middle. I mean, no, I'd never like up the middle. Uh, not a fan of those. Definitely, yeah, definitely. But I like a lot of this off the board play. And it seems like the Kings are, you know, the, that that yeah. uh, adage of passing to speed. It seems like they're taking they're grabbing that and running with well, that. Fox. I think it was Fox said tonight that it was the fastest game he'd ever seen a audio play. Mm -hmm. And on the replay, I went I was paying particular attention to him. And yeah, his chemistry with Wagner, who I mean he's sort of split time up and down between Ontario, like you said, and he's one of those guys where I don't quite understand the deployment. You know, sometimes he's out there with Thompson and Clifford. And you're like, yeah, what's Mike Amadio going to do with Thompson and Clifford? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Guy? He needs the younger guys. He's 21 and you've paired him with not that Clifford's old, but you know, you've paired him with a vet, you know, in the back half of his career and, and Kyle Clifford. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when you pair him with younger guys, you go, oh, there he is. OK, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's how interesting. So he's a guy where I don't I don't like to use the phrase ruin the career because you never know how many twists and turns it can take. But you just wonder in a different setting, in a different scenario, does his career take a totally different does it do you apply a totally different filter to his career? You know, earlier in the year, my solution for the rest of the season was trade a bunch of guys for equivalent pieces like the Pearson for Hagelin trade is a perfect example, right? Mm -hmm. you, can, you can play Hagelin at third line left wing for the rest of the year and he's gone in the summer. So what? Yeah. Um, and then the flip side of that would be, I'd say send everybody 24 and under to Ontario and let Mike Amadio play a full season at number one center with, you know, Luff and, and Wagner on his wings or whoever the, you know, Rimple or cause God Rimple's tearing it up down there. But you know what I mean? Like get, You've got a 21-year-old, 22, I guess, 22-year-old who you want to be at least some form of offensive threat. Mm -hmm. And you're playing him five minutes a night, uh, you know, on the fourth line. And <laughs> yeah. Presumably to just spell the top lines and maybe play a, something of a defensive role. Like I said, if you're paired with, with Thompson and Clifford and most of your starts are in the defensive zone. Yeah. And you're not going to score any goals. And and so it becomes a a snake eating its own tail of like, well, is he getting those minutes because he can't score or can he not score because he's getting you know, those minutes? minutes? Yeah. It's a, it's the whole Mike Trout theory. Like you put him, put him in situations where he can't be successful. He's not going to be successful. Yeah. And I mean, we saw it with Dustin Brown as, as loath as I am to admit uh, that that might've played a role in Dustin Brown's three year sort of regression. One getting time on the power play. One playing with Kopitar, yeah, was playing five or six minutes less a night. 
<laughs> you he gave are... him his minutes back, and all of a sudden he's you right. know he's on yeah. pace for 32 goals this year or something like that. Um, and I think he and Kopitar both have, I want to say, 16 points in 21 games or something like that at this point. I mean, it's it's I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting, but but I will say this. I want to see consistency is not the right word, but I'll use it anyway. I want to see more consistency from the center position on this team Mm -hmm. because that used to be the strength of this team. And it's not a big secret that teams that succeed, generally speaking, have strength down the middle, strength on the blue line and a good goalie. And at this point, based on last season and this season, we don't have the proper strength down the middle for whatever reason. And I'm not saying that it can't happen, but it's not happening. It's not happening. Kobe's on, on, on par for 16 goals a season. It, it's not, it's not a place you want to see a player like that. No. And being. Carter's, uh, you know, on pace for less than 20 and mm-hmm. Kempe, you know, he has been improving slightly lately, but he's on pace for like 60. Penalty minutes. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe I walked into that In one. In the offense, chin out. Road. Really? What? <laughs> um, you know, and and something as simple as solidifying your third line, fourth line, center, you know, position identity, and and it's tough, right? With Hagelin out, Lewis out, Kovalchuk out. These are huge pieces, and all of us, you know, all of a sudden you're having to replace a quarter of your team. You're picking guys up off the waiver wire. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's it's got to it's got to change, and it's uh, you can't you can't try and trade defense for offense and and not get offense. Yeah, so, no kidding. You know, so <laughs> no kidding. Can't give up the farm, and, yeah. you know, uh, to to move into the city and then be homeless. So it's time to it's time to to start building something. And yeah. and I mean, even hearing from fairly reputable people that. Um, people like quick don't make the trade deadline that's that's when i think we're beyond retooling uh when this come when this uh well i mean everybody asks about it right yeah. well, even if it's not quick whether it's kopitar dowdy quick yeah. brown you know the, 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 the question core. is right is anybody untradeable is anybody yeah you know but to even even have that out there from fairly reputable people it 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 tells you where the the kings are at this season and yeah and and it's gotta it's gotta make uh it people have to make drastic improvements but the flip side of that is two seasons ago when quick came back from injury they uh waived uh jeff zatkoff before they uh announced that quick was being reinstated from ir Mm -hmm. and i said okay There's two possibilities following the waving of Jeff Zatkoff. One, Jonathan Quick's return is imminent. Or two, they're about to trade for another goalie. And I was told by multiple people, no, you're wrong. Jonathan Quick's not coming back till whatever, the end of March or the end of February or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm not an – like, I don't – nobody told me the conclusion I came to. I just know that they have Budai. And Zatkov, and if somebody claims Zatkov off of waivers, they have Budai. 
Yeah. So <laughs> either Quick's coming back right. or they're trading for another goal. And now, as it turns out, they did both. So double <laughs> double pat on the back Yay. for me. But my point is just it doesn't take a genius or an insider or you know a mind reader to tell which way the wind's blowing. You just got to rip up some grass and sprinkle it and say, oh, that way. When they signed Ilya Kovalchuk, they gave themselves $60,000 worth of cap space or uh-huh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And people have to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just it. And, I mean, yep. I've been saying it since the day they signed him. Now, it's comp- it's compounded by the fact that they're in thirty for- tied for 31st place. Yeah. Just makes it convenient yeah. to make you right again. But, I mean, people need raises. Young players, right? Like, RFAs are required to be given, I think, a 10% bump. And, you know, a guy like Adrian Kempe isn't coming back for 10% of what he made last year, no, right. regardless of what Let's Go Kings.com thinks he's worth or right. what the people on Reddit think of him. Yeah. This is not how this works. So, yeah, people are, were always going to get traded. And then adding on to that, some of these guys are underperforming what their contracts are, are worth. So a guy like Quick, even though it would break my heart and I don't want it to happen, right? Let me be clear. The following, oh, absolutely. the following thing is not me, you know, being a homer for the team or saying right. whatever. Like, I love Jonathan Quick. I want Jonathan Quick to be a king forever. As do I, yeah. And I want him to win the Stanley Cup every year. Yeah. But <laughs> um, there is a window on how much a certain certain players are worth. You know, it's true of Toffoli. It's true of Carter. It's true of Quick. It's true of Dowdy. It's true of Kopitar. It's true of Tanner Pearson. It's true of Mike Amadio, right? Mm-hmm. The players are only worth something for so long. And you, you, if you are going to be a steward of the franchise, and none of us are, right? That's up to Rob Blake and, and the people that employ him. But the stewards of this franchise have to think about maximizing the value of what they have. And if if you can get a first round draft pick for Jonathan Quick, and I think you could, I think you could get way more than that. Mm-hmm. I think you have to at least entertain the idea, yeah, of moving forward because the because the organization has has a proven track record of churning out productive goalies. I think you would be doing yourself and the fans and the organization a disservice by not at least entertaining it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I don't want it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I agree. Don't. <laughs> I agree. It, it, to me, it was just a marker of where the team is and, and where, you know, the, the league views the team and, right. uh, you know, everybody's now kind of vultures in the air looking at the team like, yeah, it's, it, it's about time. We should right. start making some phone calls, but, you know, you, you have to, and, and I will tell you, I'm the first to say I would never want a GM position oh, because no. they make the decisions that most of us couldn't make in life. No. Um, it's like, if it was better, would you trade your own kid? And a right. GM has got to make that call right. and I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, uh, so good on all the GMs out there that have to go through that and, and just kind of look big picture, not the uh, not be uh, emotionally tied, right? And not look at the short term. They have to look big picture. Well, and it's five a years thankless, down the road. A thankless job, right? Like Dean oh, Dean Lombardi came into a franchise that was in disarray. <laughs> to, say, to be nice, produced two Stanley Cup wins in eight years, I think, of being here, which and, have never happened yeah, for a team. No, no. Well, yeah. look, two and three years is. Yeah. 
pretty unheard of. I mean, I don't want to say pretty unheard of because there's teams that win four or five in a row. But I just mean like when you start looking in at the, the current fact, era. No, but I just mean like there's 30 teams. Yeah. Only one of them wins the cup. If you get to win it twice in three years, that's pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And yet there's still people who are like, you know, mother effing Dean Lombardi <laughs> ruined this team with right. his stupid, <laughs> stupid loyalty and his stupid contracts. And it's like, okay, he made mistakes. I, he got fired. Like, all right. But thank you, just the same. <laughs> right, right. I'd love to go into anyone's job and be like, show me how you haven't right. made mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, yeah, the mistakes. Some of them were obvious. Some of them were clear in the moment. The Martin Jones trade was a debacle. Okay, fine. But the Viznowski for stolen green trade was downright genius. So yeah. what's great is most people make mistakes in their job every month and still have a job twenty years later. Yeah. So <laughs> you well, know, and, and the other, it's and, a rough world. And, in what, and, and if you lose your job for, you know, for whatever reason, and and then you go on to your next job, it's very rare that people are writing in the, you know, in the news like, you know, uh, <laughs> John Smith, uh, you know, fired two years ago as salesman for Nordstrom's for, you know, <laughs> failing to hit his quotas in the month of February. Had a, you know, it's like, no, you just move on to your job and that's that. People no. are People aren't like debating what a lousy person you are five years later. Look at what he carried into Macy's. Yeah, like, no, it's just <laughs> this like is ridiculous. Yeah, like I mean, come on, Lombardi should be on the 50th anniversary statue out there with all the players, right? Because that success was every bit his and Daryl Sutter's and Terry Murray's, and but you know, but no, he, you know, knowing we're getting off the rails, I'm now thinking about how great it would be for retail to be trading employees back and forth for draft picks we'll give you <laughs> coming out of college <laughs> yeah. i mean granted it's been 20 years since i've worked in retail but yeah you know, it would be know. hilarious like yeah. dude you know where this guy came from <laughs> i don't know why that made me think of it but today i was i was in the kitchen i was making myself some lunch and i stumbled on to you know i constantly refer to teams as as a recipe and i get bogged down and like you know well, this player's raisins, but if you run out of raisins and you want to throw in China, you know, I realize it gets sort of. So this is what I stumbled on today. If you're mixing a drink. Now you speak my language. Yeah, well, I think most people can relate. This is a much simpler analogy. If you're mixing one part alcohol to three parts Coke, it's a good mixture, right? Not really, but. Okay. All right. Well, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it yes, is, you, you know ahead. what I mean? Like, yeah. You have the appropriate amount of alcohol. Yeah. And you like the alcohol. You put it in the drink for a reason. You want to drink, but you don't want to just be drinking nothing but alcohol. The alcohol is a good ingredient. It's a perfectly good ingredient in that amount in relation to the other ingredients. Right. But if you mix up that ratio, you've ruined the drink. And I think that's the problem with what the roster we've got right now. We've got players that five years ago were perfect in the ratio to other players, right? Mm -hmm. They, their personality, their skill set, their, their uh, physical ability. It was all a perfect mix at that moment in time, but we have run out of gin and tonic. Yeah. We are out of Coke. <laughs> and now on some nights, what we're just getting is a glass of well drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's nothing to chase it with. There's nothing to blend it with. And so, but but what you see people complaining about the ingredients and and I just want to say like no, the ingredients are what the ingredients are. Yeah, you know these guys are who that for the most part these guys are who they are and who they have always been. It's the makeup that's changed. It's yeah. the concoction that has changed, and the trick is now to find a new store that sells um, 
tonic water. Yeah. No, your 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 analogy is spot on with what I'm saying. I feel like it got way out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> Took the fans on a journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, fans. Um, I think I'm gonna wrap it up though, James. Uh not a ton to say as usual. We're just sort of circling around the same topics. But uh, thanks, as always, for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, if we don't speak to you before Christmas, I'm sure we will. But if we don't, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And Happy Hanukkah. Oh, thank you. But I feel like we'll talk to you soon. Oh, absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, King Sands. We'll talk to you soon.